Um, anybody, any of you guys get one of these for Christmas? A Fitbit? You guys get one? No? My only one? Okay. A couple of us here at the church already had them. I got one by accident for Christmas. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. It counts your steps and your heart rate, and it's supposed to help you get healthier. And it's helping. It counts how many flights of stairs you, you do, and you can record how much water you drink. Um, but one of the my goal is 10,000 steps a day. It sounds like a lot, and it is. Um, and the only way that I have found to get to 10,000 steps is to go shopping at like a large mall or something. So I'll be incredibly in debt, but I'll be thinner. So I think it'll be, it's a good trade-off. Um, yesterday, Sarah and I were shopping, and uh, we went to a couple of stores. First, we went to Kohl's, and Kohl's is a cool store, right? But the first thing you see when you walk up is all their, you know, all the people like in exercise clothes, like in the window, and like uh, like the, the Fitbits and the and the water bottles, and it's like a new you, and and it, because everybody, why everybody's looking at that, right? Everybody's looking to to start new resolutions, to lose weight, to get healthier, and, and that's a good thing. The marketing geniuses behind places like Kohl's know we're thinking that way. So then we proceed to go to Target. Same thing. You know, all their all their exercise stuff is around. Go to TJ Maxx. It's right in the front as you walk in. Those those kettleballs and, and, and everything there for you to change uh, your life physically. Go to Five Below. They've got this big spiel about how you could join a gym or build your own home gym with, you know, the garbage we sell. And it, it's Five Below for a reason, folks. Um... <laughs> so so everybody's got that mindset right now. I was reminded I almost took pictures to bring in, but I didn't. Um, now we're all looking for a new beginning right now in some regards, right? It's a new year. It's 2016. We want to be healthier. We want to quit habits. We want to get out of debt. We want to you know, fix our house or, or fix our car or get a new car. And we want to go on vacation this year. We have all these hopes and dreams, and, and, and we just want a, a fresh start. We want a new start. And I, I really believe that what marketing is missing and what these stores are missing and what we're missing is that this new start that we're looking for goes beyond our weight or our bank account or what we do in a year. A fresh start is something we all deeply desire. And today, I don't know if you noticed in this picture, this picture is a, is a picture of a sycamore tree because we're going to look at a new beginning that started or a fresh start that began in a sycamore tree with a, a man named Zacchaeus. So let me share a, a scripture with you first, one that's been on my mind for a while. Lamentations 3 and 22. The steadfast Lord, uh, love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Um, Lamentations is believed to have been written by Jeremiah the prophet. And it's believed that he wrote these words as Jerusalem was being destroyed. This was not a time of prosperity. This was not a time where everything was going his way. Nothing, nothing worse in the eyes of a, of a prophet of Israel could be happening, right? The, the destruction of the nation that the Lord sent him to warn would happen is now watching it all just unfold in front of his eyes. And the book of Lamentations, chapters 1 and 2, 4 and 5, are very much that, lamenting. And there's some 22 chapters, but Jeremiah takes the middle part of the book, 66 chapters, to talk about how good the Lord is in spite of the sin of man. In spite of, of what he's watching happen before his eyes, he knows that the Lord is good, his love is steadfast, 
It endures forever. It never ceases. It never stops. Much of the promises that we are banking on today, are find, they find themselves here in this truth that the Lord never changes. That means he has saved you. He won't turn his back on you. He won't save you 15 years down the line and say, you know what? I made a mistake with you. You're out of here. We believe through faith in his word that he will stay with us, remain with us, and finish us, lead us to completion because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, that being said, turn to Luke chapter 19, Old Testament to New Testament. We're going to talk about a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a very good um, profile to look at, to learn about fresh starts, faith, repentance, love, obedience, all the things that we are desiring now that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. Luke chapter 19 verse 1 says this, he, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, don't forget that, and was rich, also don't forget that. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd he could not see because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all, and when they saw it, this is the religious elite, the people who are already kind of negative towards Jesus. Um, when they saw this, they all grumbled. He has gone into the gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let us pray. Jesus, your word is good. And um, I need your help to preach the message that you want preached today. Um, your word speaks for itself. It does not need clarification. It does not need to be edited. It simply needs to be declared, and that's what I ask for today, Lord. Through your Holy Spirit, the declaration of your word, that's all about Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We learn a few things about Zacchaeus in this uh, account. Number one, we learn that he's short. Um, remember in the Disney movie Alice in Wonderland, there's the Queen of Hearts, but then there's the King of Hearts. The King of Hearts is like this tall. Queen of Hearts is huge. She's like, rah, 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 rah. but King of Hearts, tiny little guy, real mousy, you know, real timid. You know, I always picture Zacchaeus being that tall, like just being a short guy, like three foot seven, just really short. And we learn that through scripture and we learn that he can't see over the crowds. He's like a little kid at a parade. He's got to sit on somebody's shoulders. He's just can't see. So he climbs up a sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus pass by. Um, you know, for short people, short people need prayer too. And short people are good. I'm not trying to poke fun at them. Um, it's not like I'm a giant and, and much taller than you, but I'm 5'8", so I'm doing all right. We learn that he's a tax collector. Now, for you and I, we understand taxes in a sense, right? I mean, we don't like taxes. We don't like giving our money to the government. I mean, we like roads and we like, you know, the benefits that we sometimes get from taxes, but we don't necessarily like taxes. Having to explain to my son sales tax is really one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. You know, 
I've got $8. I want to buy this $8 toy. Well, son, you got to think about taxes. What do you mean taxes? So you can only really get a toy that's like $7.50. Well, that changes everything. Like I got to give 50 cents more than what the price of the thing is? Yeah, that's how taxes work. Tax collection right now happens uh, through, you know, through a sale. You don't even really notice it. Um, through your paychecks, you know, you just come to realize that Uncle Sam has a hand in your paycheck before you ever, you know, get it. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, behind the scenes happening. Unless you get a letter in the mail sometime this year, um, you're not really going to have a lot of interaction with uh, the IRS. And if you do, we'll pray and fast for you because it usually ends up with a lot of pain. Um, but in Zacchaeus's day, he was a guy, he'd go door to door. Or people would come to him to pay their tax. And so he was despised. Can you imagine if you were the tax collector of South Bay Chapel? You wouldn't get invited to the potlucks. You know, nobody would send you a Christmas card because you'd be that guy that reminds us of our responsibility and that reminds us that somebody's got to get money before I get to enjoy my money. It just wouldn't be fun. Or if it wasn't South Bay, if it was Canastota or what have you. It just wouldn't be top of the list for invitees to a party or whatnot. Um... Not only is Zacchaeus a tax collector, he's Jewish. So the people in the area where he collected tax, who were also Jewish, despised him. He wasn't just a sinner. He was an ultra sinner. He was a super sinner. He was extra dirty. Why? Because he worked for the Roman government. He, a Jewish man, decided, hey, I'm going to defect to the other team. I'm going to work for them. They're already oppressing us, and now I'm going to get money from them to get by taking money from you. So you could see how some animosity would grow towards Zacchaeus by the people that he lived with. He wouldn't be regarded as a good guy, the tax collector. The Bible talks about tax collectors. You'll usually mention tax collectors and prostitutes. If that gives you any idea of how the Bible is trying to compare uh, the sinner of sinners, that kind of explains it right there. Not only are we told that he is short and a tax collector, we are told that he is rich. Now, true or false, being rich is a sin. False. Uh, if you thought the other way, um, you're probably A, not rich, and B, uh, you're wrong. When the Bible talks about being rich, it's not talking about currency or an accumulation of wealth because if it were a sin, we'd be given a dollar amount. Don't get more than this amount. If you do, you're sinning. You know, It just says being rich. If you've read the book of James at any length, James talks about those who are rich and sinners. Why are they sinful for being rich? It sounds like Zacchaeus is getting a bad rap because he's got a job and has money. That's not a bad thing. This guy can take care of himself and has a job. Zacchaeus is rich because he's crooked. And when the Bible talks about being rich being a sin, it's people who become rich through crookedness or through thievery or through deception. People who, like in the book of James, says you had workers go out and work in your field and you made profit from that, but then you didn't pay them. You got rich because you cheated somebody out of that. Zacchaeus, what Zacchaeus would do, let's say you owed five shekel in taxes. So you got your tax bill, or, or Zacchaeus is coming with your tax bill, and Zacchaeus decides, you know what, if I say this guy has to pay seven, I can pocket the two, give the five to the government, they don't know, the people don't know, and I'm making a lot of money. I do that a hundred, I do that two hundred, I do that three hundred times, 
uh, you know, every so every quarter, every you know, biannually, every year, that's a hefty amount of money. So Zacchaeus has made his money off the the working man by taking advantage of people who are just trying to do their duty. They're just trying to do what the government expects of them. They're doing it begrudgingly, but hey, if that's what we got to pay, that's what we got to pay. Not knowing that Zacchaeus is cheating them out of their money. That two shekel could go towards their new chariot or whatnot. I mean, they they're it's being taken out of the mouths of their children and their family. When the Bible talks about being rich being a sin, this is what the Bible's talking about. If you find yourself wealthy today, and I have a spoiler for you, we're all wealthy. We have multiple pairs of clothes. Some of us have multiple cars. We live in houses that are warm and are heated. We have running water. We should have at least bathed sometime in the last three days. I mean, we have the ability to do that. We wear perfume. We can go shopping whenever we want. I mean, we, we live pretty extravagant lives, even those who have the lowest of the low bank accounts here today. You know, there are people around the world who, you know, they have no shoes. They have, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. We've got pantries and cupboards full of food. If all food production shut down now, we'd be good for two, three weeks, some of you for even months. We're very wealthy. But hopefully we're wealthy in the good sense where we have accumulated these things through hard work, through saving, through being good stewards of what we have. Being rich by becoming crooked, that's a sin. That must be repented of. And that's what Zacchaeus was guilty of. Lastly, the last thing we're told about Zacchaeus, or the last thing we'll talk about that we're told about him, is that he's seeking. He's looking. He, he knows something's wrong about his lifestyle. You know, I wonder, this is speculation, but I wonder if after a day of tax collecting, you know, if he went home and just laid in bed and thought, what am I doing with my life? You know, I'm, these are my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I'm taking advantage of them. Yeah, I got all this stuff, but what does it really mean? Now, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. What, what is going on with my life? Something must have clicked or changed in Zacchaeus for him to be seeking Jesus. The Bible's clear that we are to be seeking, right? Seek, ask, and knock, Matthew 7 says. That we as Christians, even as we give our life to Jesus, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. Zacchaeus was seeking for something beyond riches, beyond prominence, beyond friends, beyond family. He needed something more. You know, this is why we, we have this, this great push in January to change. We think when the calendar flips over, we'll have this newfound power or drive to change our lives. And, and the truth that we kind of hide from, that all the gyms know about, that all the that all the uh, stores know about is that within two to four weeks this will all fizzle out at best. By the end of the month, all of the gym stuff will be put back in its proper places, and you'll see Valentine's Day and, and St. Patrick's Day stuff come out because that'll be the new thing. That'll be the new thing we're all focused on. These companies have spent billions of dollars to figure out our mindsets in that way. And so if we're banking on just our calendar flipping, that giving us the power to change, um, we're going to be very disappointed. So what, I, what we need to do, what I believe that the Bible is telling us to do, is not find our fresh start in a calendar, but to find our fresh start in Jesus. You know, I, I was, last week preached that for some of us, 2015 was a hard year, and for some of you it was a good year. Um, that's great, but for the majority of us, we look back and we are going to see the Lord take that and use it for our good. But we're still looking for something that completes us. I'm here to tell you it's found only in Jesus. 
Zacchaeus found what he was looking for in Jesus. Whatever he had tried before, whatever path he'd walked, giving or whatnot, he found everything he needed in Jesus. He saw Jesus coming by. And here's the, here's the, the most interesting part of the story, to me anyways, maybe not, maybe not to you, but to me. It says that Zacchaeus was seeking, so he ran ahead in verse 4. He ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for, for he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. And when, Jesus, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay in your house today. Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. If you want to know what, you're, what you truly desire, look at what you're chasing. What are you pursuing? What are you going after? That will prove to you, that will show to you what you truly desire. Well, I love Jesus above all things. Are you striving for him or something else? Fill in the blank. Are you looking for a new chance or opportunity to do this thing or have this thing or go after this thing? Or are you going after Jesus? The proof will be found in your desire and what you're chasing, what you're pursuing. For Zacchaeus, we see he's pursuing Jesus. But we also see Jesus pursuing Zacchaeus. Jesus greatly desires you. The proof is in his pursuit. He is going after this man. He is going after you. For me, when I am hit with that revelation, it doesn't make me jump up in, with joy and say, yay, I'm so desired of the Lord. I mean, eventually it does. Initially what it reminds me of is that he is so holy and I am so very not. I realize, ah, oh, why, why are you pursuing me? There's no earthly reason to pursue me other than he loves me and he loves you he is seeking you today he's not seeking that you would just make him your all in all he wants to be your all in all he wants you to find everything in him he wants you to when you've come to the end of all the earthly stuff to say you know what maybe jesus is greater than these things. Maybe I'm going about this the wrong way. That you would meet him and say, Oh, I have found him and he has found me. But how can you know if that's happened? I mean, we could say it all day long. How do we know if what we're truly desiring is Jesus and not just what Jesus gives us? Because some people do that. We, could fall, we can fall into that trap. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't really want Jesus. I just want the peace. I want the stuff. I want the byproduct of following Jesus. I don't necessarily need Jesus. We want the kingdom without the king. It doesn't work like that. You want the kingdom, you get the king. You want salvation, it comes through Jesus. You want forgiveness, it comes through repentance to him. It's all through his grace and all that, but you can't divide or separate those two. Here's what, here's what we see in Zacchaeus a great change. It says in verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. True or false, do you have to give away all your stuff to prove that you love Jesus? False. But why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Are we looking for a reason to get out of that? To find a way to keep our stuff, that's a red flag. That should be something that, that like, the, like the, the check engine light on your dashboard. It should be the check engine light 
of your brain. Why am I trying to avoid that? Is it because I really like my stuff? Because I have good stuff? You know, the rich young ruler, that's why he walked away. He had a lot of good stuff. So I'm not saying you have to give away all your stuff. The Lord tells you to do that, go for it. But are you trying to hoard and just hold on to what you have? I guarantee you, the more you try to hold on to your stuff, the quicker it's going to leave your hands. So just be careful with that. Just check your heart in that. Zacchaeus meets Jesus. What's he want to do? I got all this money. I'm going to give half of it to the poor right off the bat. The poor need money. I got money. I give it to them. And then I want to, I want to make things right with those I've cheated. If I've defrauded anyone, I won't just give them back what I took from them. I'll give them back fourfold. If I took two shekels, I'm giving them back eight. Because I cheated them. I want to make things right. Zacchaeus has been challenged by the Lord, not verbally, just by the presence of Jesus, to repent of his old life and embrace the life that Jesus has for him. Jesus seeks to save the lost. We are the lost. He seeks to save us. What do we have to repent of? Maybe we haven't cheated or stolen, you know, monetarily, but maybe we've taken people's time or taken advantage of them somehow. How can we make things right? You know, do you desire to make things right? If you're not desiring to make things right, it's another check engine light. Why am I not wanting this? Why am I not wanting to make things I hurt somebody. How do I make this right? Maybe it's too late. Maybe you can't make it right. What can you do? I mean, what is the Lord telling you to do? If he's not telling you anything, if you're not even considering these things, then we have to go back to square one. When you see men and women of the Bible meet Jesus, their life changes completely. You see the woman caught in adultery. She takes this alabaster jar full of uh, perfume, very expensive. What does she do? She breaks it open. It was created in such a way that it can only be opened once, and she broke it and used it to anoint Jesus. Because nothing else mattered anymore. She had met Christ. All this other stuff was extra. It was frosting on the cake. So if in this moment I could take my most prized possession because I have a new most prized possession, if I could bless somebody with that, boom, going to do it. Not even think twice about it. Who had a problem with that? Judas. Judas was like, well, you could have sold it and fed the poor and blah, blah, blah. No, she gave it to Jesus. That mattered more in that moment. Not that that's a bad plan, but we find out through revelation of, the God, of God's word that Judas said that not because he thought we got to help the poor, but because he used to do what Zacchaeus did. He would steal from the money bag. He was the treasurer. Jesus, we got in a hundred shekel today, but really we got 120. I'm going to keep the 20 for myself. Or, you know, I'm going I'm to spend a little bit on myself. There's still plenty in, for the rest of the disciples. I'm going to go buy myself, you know, whatever they'd buy in that day. He was crooked. He would be, consider him a rich man in the sinful way. Judas didn't have a lot of good qualities to follow, unfortunately. In Jesus, Zacchaeus finds his peace. He finds forgiveness. He finds the ability to repent all through the grace of God. Jesus wanted to come to his house. Can you imagine if Jesus went to your house right now? Like, do you ever do the flight of the bumblebee? You know, 
It's where, you know, somebody shows up and the kids have been playing and you've been cooking. Like when I cook, when Sarah cooks, she washes and she does stuff and like you never know she cooks. I'm the complete opposite. When I cook, I got pots and pans full of stuff I'm not even cooking. Like I don't even know – I'm not washing anything. I got another spoon. Throw that out. Get a new spoon and get a new ladle, a new frying pan. I just got to cook this for a second. Now it's dirty. It's a mess. And then somebody knocks on the door. Knock, knock, knock. And you're like, oh. You just got to clean up really fast so they can come in. Imagine if it was Jesus. I mean, sometimes just a guy or just, you know, a friend or something like that. But if it was Jesus, Jesus wants to come inside. Oh, man. He's going to see your house. Zach, Jesus was going to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And how did everybody respond? Oh, Jesus is going to eat with a sinner. Oh. You know, my generation and the ones kind of younger than me really, really, really like to drive home that, Jesus ate with sinners, and that's absolutely true. But they lose one emphasis when they so focus on that. And I've done the same thing, and I'm not above them. Um, you forget what Jesus says about them. Why does Jesus go to them? He says a physician doesn't go to those who are well. He goes to those who are sick. See, when we go and we go and we're in and amongst sinners, um, unrepentant sinners, untransformed sinners, um, we are going to the sick. We are going to those who are lost. Our going to them does not make them forgiven, does not change their life immediately. It might bear some fruit later. But we absolutely have to understand that when we go out into the world, we are the ones that were made well. We are the ones that have been found. And that we carry this message for them so that they can be made well, so that they can be found as well. It's not that being in and amongst sinners is the desire of Jesus. The desire of Jesus is to go into those places so that they might be saved too. And that's going to lead to some awkward conversations, right? They're going to ask you, so what do you, what do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about same-sex marriage? What do you think about the Republican candidates? What do you think about the Democratic candidates? What do you think about Obama? What do you think about homeschooling? What do you think about public school? or vaccinations, or essential oils, or what do you think about this, or what do you think about that? And you're going to have some conversations. Some of those things, you know, kind of irrelevant. Essential oils, who cares? You know, homeschool, public school, just make sure your, school, your kids get educated. But sin matters? Sin issues? Well, sometimes it's okay to lie. Really? The Bible doesn't really tell me that. Well, you know, I love God, but, you know, I got all these other things in front of him. Well, the Bible says love the Lord your God first and foremost and so you're going to have to have these conversations not as not as you know dictators and you're going to hell because of what you've done but man i just want to i want to show you how my life changed i want to tell you about my proverbial sycamore tree where i met jesus and he sought me and he found me and he changed me and how i used to think like that but then i met jesus and i read his word and it's changed my thoughts it's literally changed the way my brain is wired I no longer seek my own desire, I seek his. Yeah, but what about in the Old Testament where God killed all these people? Well, you know, honestly, um, I'm just trusting him on that one. You know, by faith, and this is me personally, by faith I read those accounts and I see that eventually God treats the Israelites the same way. It's not that anybody's off the hook because of any association. They sinned, they were dealt with as well. Why God chose that particular method, I don't know. I also don't know why he chose to give his only begotten son, begotten son to die on my behalf as well. 
I can't explain why God would choose that way. I trust him and have faith in him that why he did it is perfect. And I want to adapt to it. And I have lots of questions. I have, you know, for me, my ask your pastor questions are for Jesus. It's my ask my Jesus questions. I don't get a lot of answers right now. I eventually someday I may have some or I won't care when I get to that point. The proof of salvation, the proof of being changed, transformed, and that new life, that rebirth happening in you is the desires of your heart. Where have they gone? Zacchaeus, he was, he was a man who would cheat everybody, and now he wants to make things right. That's fruit of the Spirit. He didn't help the poor, now he wants to help the poor. He deeply regarded his stuff, but now it's all dross, it's all garbage, it's all refuse, it's just stuff. And I can just give it away because God is so good in giving it to me in the first place. And he's given it to me once, he'll give it to me again. How do you see stuff? Has anything changed since you met Jesus? How do you see everything? You know, we're not perfect yet. We haven't been changing all things, but have you begun to see a change? You plant a seed in the ground, eventually you're going to see a little sprout come up. It won't be a tree right away. It won't bear fruit right away, but you'll see growth, won't you? You'll see a change. You'll see that tiny seed become new life. Jesus has been implanted in you. At some point, you should see fruit from your labor, or, or not just from your labor, from his labor. If you're not seeing change, then maybe, maybe transformation hasn't taken place. Maybe you haven't become what Romans 12 and 1 calls a living sacrifice. You haven't laid yourself down completely. You're, maybe you're trying to find your own way of making this work. Just go the quick route. Just lay yourself down. Just surrender. Just wave the white flag. Just, just give up. Lord, Lord, I give up. I am... I don't know anything. I just want to follow you. I want to be changed by you. I want to live a different life. This is the fresh start we're looking for. This is where God meets us. This is where his steadfast love never ceases, where it continues, where you can have a fresh start every day. And here's the, the, the spoiler alert in all this. You will do this probably every day for the rest of your life. You'll wake up tomorrow. You'll remember your sins not just of your past, what, what you did yesterday or, or what you woke up thinking of or what you're about to do. And you say, oh, Lord, I need your help. If you wake up, well, I'll get this done. Well, maybe, maybe your heart's a little hard, but you wake up, Lord, I need your help. You go through the day, it's like, ah, oh, Lord, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I looked too long at that person. I, I, I linger. I thought, actually thought about uh, this sin or doing this thing or stealing or lying Maybe it was just out of habit. You know, sometimes our, our, our jobs, they expect us to, to bend the truth a little bit for their own benefit. And, and now you're being checked by that. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't lie and get paid for it. Now I'm like Zacchaeus. I, I'm crooked in getting my wealth. What's, where are your desires? What, what are your desires today? They will point to you real quick where your heart is in the Lord. If your desire is to forsake sin, um, you might not forsake sin, but I mean, if your desire is to do that and, and you're like the guy climbing the mountain trying to get it done, then, then maybe transformation has happened. If you think sin's okay, maybe transformation is, is stuck somewhere. Maybe, maybe something's happened and, and, you, and it's like stepping on the hose and the water's building up and you don't have that flow of the Holy Spirit anymore. 
God still loves you. God's, you know, you're still saved and all that. We're talking about practical everyday life and what that looks like. Luke 19 and 10, Jesus ends with, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Mark 2 and 15 says, And as he reclined at the table in his house, this is a, a different story of Jesus being with tax collectors, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, and there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, uh, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, these scribes of these Pharisees, these were the guys, you know, the Pharisees would have their, you know, their scribes who would write down everything, you know, it was the day before printing press and things like that. So you have these scribes who would write stuff down. They were respected as as, you know, religious elite guys like you go to those guys if you have questions about god and so they looked at jesus and was like he's eating with sinners and jesus got right to the heart of the situation you see yourself as perfect you see yourself as healthy these people know they're unhealthy i'm going to help them i can't help those who already see themselves as healthy because those people don't think they need a doctor but these people know they need a doctor and i'm coming to heal them Jesus wants to heal you. He might heal you of a physical malady. He might. I mean, that's within his realm of stuff he does. But there's a greater need than a physical pain or a physical affliction. The greater need is that you be saved. That the healing that he purchased on the cross was the healing of your relationship between you and, and him. That the division, the war, the enmity is now all gone in Jesus. It's in Christ alone that you will find this. You can try every other avenue. You might, you would literally be the first person to find this outside of Jesus. But I got news for you, you won't. A man by the name of C.S. Lewis, the, the Chronicles of Narnia guy. Devout atheist before he met Jesus. Met Jesus, changed his life completely. Lots of atheists have gone after Jesus to disprove him, only to become the most devout followers recognizing their sin and saying you know what I was an idiot Paul when he when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus in, in Acts chapter 9 he sees this great light now some most of our stories aren't as dramatic as this but he sees this great light and it says he fell down and worshipped you know most of us don't even get that far we will call ourselves Christians, but we don't fall down and worship him. And he says, who are you, Lord? He recognizes immediately who it is. And that, that this is the Lord. He may not know that it's Jesus by name, but he knows that this is, this is the God that's created everything. This is the God who I'm trying to please because Saul, as it was, uh, was killing the church. And he meets Jesus and he worships. You don't need music to worship. When we call the music portion of our, of our service worship, worship is what you're doing right now. You're, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Worship is what you do when you give. Worship is what you do when you serve others. That's worshiping. Worship also includes the music when you come to the altar and you just come here, not because the altar's magic. It's just wood and varnish and whatever. You just come here because you know that 
the presence of the Lord is what you're truly seeking, and you need him, and he wants you. And so you come, and you, and you, and you stand in worship, you kneel, you lay down. I mean, you do anything. You're just, you're just bowing in worship because you recognize who he is. You recognize his holiness. You recognize you need that. You recognize his purity. You recognize that you need that. You recognize everything about him or as much as you can because you don't have that. But in him, you have it all. That's the, that's the great mystery of Jesus. It's not a mystery in the sense that we don't know about it. It's just a mystery that our, our minds can't quite fathom. That we come and give him our garbage life and he gives to us this holy, pure, fresh start every day. So my desire for you this year, and this Thursday, we had a, a, a you know New Year's prayer service. It was awesome. And uh, you know, my prayer for the church is that this year, Jesus would be, indeed be your all in all. That you would love South Bay Chapel. That's always a good, that's always a good thing. That you, you know, that you'd come to church. Uh, that's always a good thing, too. Uh, that you'd listen and take notes and read your Bible, things like that. But that at the end of the day, it's you and Jesus, and you're okay with that. That you go, you know what, I've got Jesus. Everything else might go, but I've got him, and I'm okay. For some of you, life may never get any harder. For the rest of us, we're going to have trials, and we're going to have new things happen this year, where we're going to need a whole lot of Jesus. And so let's start now. Let's start paving that way now. Let's start uh, by following him as closely as we can now. Jesus loves you. He is seeking you. He desires you. Go ahead and stand. We're going we're gonna to close in prayer there. Ben, if you want to come up. Oh, we're going to pray. Um, yeah, we, me, Pastor Ben and his wife Jen, uh, Justin and Kristen, Dan, uh, the Kesslers, different people who lead, uh, Gladys and Henry, uh, people who just do stuff, Marie and Vi, and, and there's just too many to, to remember. We, we do this because we love you and because we love the Lord. Um, but our desire is that you would move forward with us. A congregation that won't move, you know, the pastors don't go any further. We, we can't. That's bad pastoring. So our desire is that you'd come along with us. And we're going to go step by step together as much as we can. But we need your help as well in that regard. So I'm going to pray for you and then we'll pray together. Amen. Father God, it's our desire to, that you would be our all in all. You said the greatest command is that you would be our, our everything. That you would be the only God we serve. The only God that we worshipped. The only God that we bowed before. And Lord, sometimes that can be really hard. You know, maybe not, maybe not in the good times. But most often in the hard times, we just... We need those reminders. For some of us, we can't... There's that blockage. We can't see... Or like Tim said, we're, we're spinning our wheels and we haven't quite caught the pavement or the crushed stone yet. But Lord, when that moment comes, help us to be ready. I pray for the congregation, Lord. Change them. Bring healing to them. Strength to them. Peace to them. But continue to give them the desires of their heart to be for you all the time. For us as leaders, Lord, we're just sheep that get to lead. And so I ask, Lord, that you would continue to shepherd us as we have the great privilege to shepherd your people. You know, I pray that as times get hard, 
as we, as we deal with our own messes and the things we're going through, Lord, just help us. I thank you for our congregation that prays for us. We need that, Lord. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. And I'm praying that in 2016 we find not just a fresh start, Lord. We find you. We, we, we draw closer to you than we ever have. That your word becomes life to us. That prayer becomes vital to us. That this church that we get to see every week, that we get to come alongside every week, Lord, that, that we become family. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. morning um, that I just think really kind of goes, especially for the leaders and for our congregation, but um, it says, I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me, and it makes me love him more and more. There'll be days I lose the battle. Grace says that doesn't matter, because the cross already won the war. Amen. And the chorus is, because um, I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. And I just think that's so perfect, because regardless of what battles we've won or lost this past year, or where we're heading this coming year, um, whether it be good or bad, there's always a voice there calling us redeemed. Um, and it says, when others say I'll, I'll never be enough, greater is the one living inside of me. So, and it says, then, then he was living in the world. So regardless of what's thrown at us this year, good, bad, all around, um, inside of us is someone greater who's calling us redeemed, who's calling us renewed, who says that we can walk this because he's walking it for us. Amen. And especially for our, our, our pastors this year too, you know, who walk ahead of us as well, you know, he's called them redeemed and he's, he's leading them as well. And, um, even regardless of what other people say South Bay is or what our house is or what our, you know, our community is, if it's never enough, he says it is enough. And he grants us the power to keep walking and keep doing this day by day. So going into 2016, just remember to run free this year because you're allowed to. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Father God, we praise you. We will sell it for nothing less than you, Lord. The stuff, the ministries, the whatever, Lord, you know, the aspirations, the dreams, none of those mean anything if we don't have you. We desire you, Lord, above all things. In your name we pray. Amen.